coming up, an ode to the Denver Nuggets. Shout out to the Miami Heat. And what can the Jazz learn from this year's NBA playoffs and the Nuggets particularly? All right, welcome back to another episode of the Swish Lake City podcast. This is the third episode. I appreciate everybody that's listened so far, that's given their thoughts, that's given insights. Um, And I'm very, very grateful for all the support that this podcast has gotten. Gotten around 60 people listening to the first two episodes, and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Um, Before we get started, make sure to follow me at Jazz Lead and at Swish Lake City on Twitter. Um, as well as Switch Lake CD on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, if you prefer your podcast in video format, I'm on YouTube and splitting up the segments so you can watch specific segments at in in a shorter amount of time. Um, we just witnessed, I'm recording this right after Game 5 of the NBA Finals, we just witnessed one of the most interesting, fun postseasons with an awesome conclusion um, in the 2023 NBA playoffs. I was such a big fan of this postseason. I thought it was so fun. From round one, I was so intrigued with all of the matchups. I was intrigued with Minnesota, Denver, Lakers, Grizzlies. You had Suns Clippers in round one, which was just awesome. Um, So much parity around the league. So many talented teams right now. The East was awesome. Miami had an incredible run. Congrats to that group for getting so far. Obviously not the goal that they wanted to get to, but still an incredible run that can't be underrated. Um, What they did against top-tier East teams was incredible. I don't want to talk about the Heat, though. I want to talk about the Denver Nuggets. This Denver Nuggets team is special. And... They're special in the way that all championship teams are special because they were able to get past their hump, the past the hump. They were able to get past their mistakes, grow together as a team, um, learn together as a team. What they did this offseason, this postseason was incredible. I want to kind of dive into some of the history behind this title because I think the years leading up to this has been a really interesting story to follow. And while I, th- I believe it will be covered in the national media, I don't think it will be covered in this niche area of j- jazz podcast, jazz Twitter. I think this needs the recognition it deserves from our little niche area. In 2015, Nikola Jokic was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. I love Taco Bell as much as the next guy. I mean, it can be dangerous at night. And it can be dangerous just to your body. But this guy was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial with the 41st overall pick in the 2015 draft. Nikola Jokic walked into the system, into a team that had seemingly found a center already in Yusuf Nurkic. Yusuf Nurkic had just finished his first season and played pretty good. There was a lot of promise there. But after Jokic and Nurkic played together for about one and a half seasons, the Denver Nuggets made the correct decision to trade Yusuf Nurkic and have Jokic be the starting center and the full-time center. 
In 2017, the Nuggets drafted Jamal Murray in a pick that they actually got from the Carmelo Anthony trade way back when, when the Nuggets traded Carmelo to the Knicks. So there's a little full circle moment there. Jamal Murray walks into the league, number seven overall pick out of Kentucky, a lot of promise, and he delivers. They also had this interesting group. They had Gary Harris, who was very promising to start his career. They had Will Barton, who was a very good role player alongside Nicole Jokic. Paul Millsap played great for them. Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Mason Plumley. This group in 2019 ended up beating the Spurs in the first round. Then they lost to Portland in the second round. A Portland team that ended up going to the West to the Western Conference Finals, losing to the Warriors. And yeah, that's the last we've seen of Portland really in the postseason. In the offseason of 2019, the Nuggets had the 13th overall pick with which they drafted Michael Porter Jr. They also drafted Bull Bull, uh, just a little Bull Bull shout out. And they brought in Jeremy Grant, which was a very underrated signing at the time. And he played really good for them that season. Ended up earning a bigger contract in Detroit and has since played amazing. But he, had he stayed, he would have been such a perfect fit with Nikola Jokic the defense that he would have brought is exactly what we're seeing Aaron Gordon bring. Anyways, we'll get to Aaron Gordon a little bit later. In 2020, they beat the Utah Jazz in the first round. The Utah Jazz started 3-1 in the bubble, and the Nuggets were resilient, won the next three games, ended up winning the series 4-3 in Game 7 after Mike Conley missed a game-winning shot. Is an incredible series. And it was then that some people, especially myself, started to realize that there might be something there. Anyways, in the second round, this is where they really got people's attention. Similar situation to the first round. They were down 3-1 to to the Los Angeles Clippers. This Los Angeles Clippers that features two Hall of Famers, a really good supporting cast, was... One of the title favorites, along with the Los Angeles Lakers that year. And in a similar situation, Nikola Jokic was able to prove his greatness. Jamal Murray played very big minutes, and the Nuggets ended up winning in the second round, advancing to the Western Conference Finals for their first time. In the Western Conference Finals, they lost to the soon-to-be Lakers in five games. There were close games, um, but the Lakers were a very good team and were very well constructed to combat that Denver Nuggets team. Around this time is when people started giving Nikola Jokic his his flowers, I would say. Um, As far as from a national perspective, national media analysts, people started to recognize, hey, this guy is special. And... It was around the same time that I started to notice that he was special because of these uh, analysts, because of the series against the Utah Jazz, where he was able to shine. I could just tell that something was different about Nikola Jokic. And I really couldn't pinpoint what it was 
until I started to understand the game a little bit better and understand what he does at such a high level. And I have grown to appreciate Nikola Jokic. But that was only the beginning. Um, he hadn't even won an MVP yet. He was starting to get all-star teams and all-NBA teams, but he wasn't on that top-tier caliber player um, where he is right now. In the 2021 offseason, they lose Jeremy Grant. During the season, they trade Gary Harris away along with RJ Hampton and I think some other things, and they end up getting Aaron Gordon. The starting lineup of Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Jokic goes 8-0 before Murray goes down with a horrible injury. Denver loses to Phoenix in the second round after Jokic wins his first MVP. And what Jokic was able to do with that group, what they were able to do against Portland in that first series with such a small, with such a limited roster, was very incredible. And in hindsight, I think looks pretty, looks even better than it did in the moment. Um, however, the dialogue around this time talked about Jokic. Is he a winning player? Is his defense exploitable in the playoff setting? Are you going to be able to punish him? And while many people felt they had answers um, that were discovered in that Phoenix series, a, a really good Phoenix team, should be. it should be noted, that Phoenix team was really good. Ended up going to the finals, winning the first two games, losing the next four to a really good Bucks team. But people had questions about Nikola Jokic and his Nuggets core specifically about the health of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. In the 2022 season, Murray and Michael Porter Jr. miss essentially the whole season. Jokic wins his second MVP, leading his team to a 48-34 and record. And if you look at that roster, it's incredible that they had a winning record. I mean, they had Faku Kampazu as their starting point guard for most of that season. He was playing high-quality playoff minutes. They had Austin Rivers playing... Very big playoff minutes. The ghost of Will Barton was still floating around. Aaron Gordon was playing really good alongside Nikola Jokic, but they ended up losing in the first round. And this is where the dialogue began to get even more toxic. The guy had won two MVPs. There was concern. Is Nikola Jokic a winning player? Can he get past um, the threshold that he set? In 2020, can he get to the Western Conference Finals again? But nobody was really talking about their roster and how their roster just wasn't the correct roster around Nikola Jokic at that time. How they needed more players, they needed depth, and they needed to get healthy. In the 2023 offseason, the Nuggets acquired Contavious Caldwell-Pope for Monte Morris. They acquired Bruce Brown in free agency, an incredibly underrated signing that is now getting its flowers. They got Christian Brown in the draft, and they bring in veteran presences in DeAndre Jordan, Ish Smith, and then during the regular season, they get Reggie Jackson, they get Thomas Bryant, just some presences that I think impacted this team. Um, it's obvious when watching this team that they have a certain level of chemistry that other teams might not have. And I'm going to get to this chemistry, this consistency, which I think makes them a very special team a little bit later. 
They also have Jeff Green. Jeff Green, unsung hero. I am positive that he has been a good presence in that locker room. I believe he's in year 18 of his NBA career. We saw DeAndre Jordan minutes today in game five of the NBA finals in a close game. Give the man some flowers. I think he, I think he deserves them. The dialogue around the Nuggets this whole season has been similar to the dialogue after Nikola Jokic won his second MVP. The Nuggets ended up fin- finishing with the first seed, and it wasn't very close. Um, if you go back in time, kind of remember the last two to about the last two months of the NBA season, you'll remember that the Nuggets kind of started losing games. They, they lost to the Spurs. They were losing to the Rockets. They were losing to teams that, frankly, they should not have lost to. And people had real questions about this Nuggets team. Are they legit? Are they going to be able to be mentally strong enough? Are they going to be able to get to that level again by the time the playoffs come around? There were a lot of questions. They ended up playing the Minnesota Timberwolves in the first round. And I want to talk about the dialogue. I know I've said dialogue a couple times this this episode. But I want to talk about the dialogue around their playoff run. Because people are saying, man, this has been one of the weakest playoff runs ever. They've gone through an 8 seed, a 4 seed, a 7 seed, and an 8 seed. And if you look at it like that, I think that's fair. But there's a counter argument to that. They played a team with a future MVP, in my opinion. I think Anthony Edwards is going to be a future MVP. Carl Anthony Towns, who has made all NBA teams, all-star teams. And Rudy Gobert, who is a three-time defensive player of the year and debatably one of the best defenders of this generation. In the second round, they played Kevin Durant, who has been one of the best players of this generation, and Devin Booker, and a rising star, somebody who has shown off in the playoffs and who is absolutely on the level of top 10 player in the league. The Nuggets beat the Timberwolves in five games. They beat the Suns in six games. And then they ended up going against LeBron and Anthony Davis. And everybody's saying, this Lakers team is tough. They're going to beat the Nuggets. Sweep. Nuggets win 4-0. Granted, there were some close games. And Nikola Jokic goes on to beat two more Hall of Famers in LeBron James, Anthony Davis. And a really good story in that Lakers team going from a seven seed, going from a 13 seed, essentially, to the seven seed and getting to the Western Conference Finals. Then they go into the finals. People are like, man, it's an eight seed. They'll obviously win this. And this will be the weakest championship ever. However, the dialogue before was, are they even gonna are they even gonna get past the Timberwolves? Are they gonna be able to get past the Suns? There's no way they're gonna get, be able to get past the Lakers. But they were able to get past all of those teams. Eventually, they played the Miami Heat. They win game one, lose game two. The dialogue starts again. Is this Nuggets team tough enough? Are they gonna be able to do it? And then they win the next three leading us to right now. That Miami team had a very special run. They beat a number one seed. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks, a team with high expectations, with one of the best players in the world, and a really good supporting cast, and they beat them in six games. 
Then they beat a New York Knicks team that is a very tough, resilient team with star power. And we're, we're just starting to see what this Knicks team can be. They're going to be good. And we're going to look at that win in the future as an even better win than we're looking at it right now. And then they went on to the Western Conference Finals to be a Boston Celtics team that was the title favorites for much of the year, uh, a team that was in the finals last year, a team that people were talking about as if they had finally gotten to that point where they were going to win the title. And the Heat beat all those teams in different fashions, with different guys stepping up, um, an incredible run by this Miami Heat team, a very well-coached team. And Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are both stars. Jimmy Butler is a superstar. Bam Adebayo played like a superstar in the NBA Finals. I thought he played incredibly well, even in Game 5. Game 5, he played maybe one of his best games of the series, had 20 points, 12 rebounds, did a good job at facilitating and making life hard for Nikola Jokic. Props to this Miami Heat team. Their seed does not reflect the way that they played in the playoffs, and I think that needs to be very clear as we examine this postseason. Nikola Jokic is an incredible player. Um, look, I'm a, I'm a 22, almost 23-year-old guy. So as far as seeing dominant centers, I didn't get to watch Prime Shaq. I didn't get to watch Prime Hakeem in the day. I didn't get to watch Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I've studied them. I know a little bit about their game. Um, I've tried to get a good grasp on what people around that time thought of them. Nikola Jokic is the best center to play during my lifetime. And what he's able to do is something that, quite frankly, we haven't seen out of a player his size at seven feet. A player that can control the game with his passing, with his scoring, with his rebounding, who even had, as much as we talk about Nikola Jokic's defense, his defense was absolutely a strength tonight in Game 5. It was a strength in Game 4. It was a strength for most of the playoffs. He's a hard player to score against. He's a hard player to be able to attack at the basket. It's not like he's not the same defensive player he was in 2020. When the Jazz were playing the Nuggets in 2020, the idea was put Nikola Jokic in the pick and roll. Attack the basket. You're going to get buckets like that. They weren't able to punish that enough because of the caliber of center that the Utah Jazz had at the time in Rudy Gobert, who just simply wasn't able to punish Nikola Jokic the way that other teams possibly could have, the way that the Lakers eventually did in that 2020 season. Nikola Jokic's rise as a defensive player isn't talked about enough. He is smart. He is in the right spot. He fights. And I think that's very important as you're examining his game. His defense is not bad. He is not a negative defender. He is a positive defender. And while he might not be the best defender in the league, while he might not even be a top five defensive center in the league, he has absolutely swifted the tide of games with his defense this series. 
Nikola Jokic is just the tip of the iceberg with this Denver Nuggets team. Obviously, all of it is possible because of him. But as you go further and further down, you're, I think we're able to see how special this team was and how special they were built. Jamal Murray, an incredible player, very dynamic. He doesn't have the accolades to back up the kind of player that he is right now, but I think he will. Throughout the course of this playoffs, there have been games where Jamal Murray has torched the other team. We saw it against Minnesota. We saw it against Phoenix. He's an incredibly hard, hard player to guard. And excuse me, we definitely saw it against the Lakers. I mean, that was probably his best series of the whole playoffs. He is a very difficult player to guard. And the synergy he has with Nikola Jokic is the wheel that keeps the Nuggets spinning, that keeps the Nuggets turning. Um, their two-man game is incredible. It is something that should be studied. It is something we should put in museums for future generations to study, to appreciate, and to get an understanding of just how special it is. Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. are the next two guys that I think really help this team stay together. Aaron Gordon being the forefront of those two. His defense. If we just go look at who he was guarding in this playoffs, he was guarding a mixture of Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards in the first round. He was guarding Kevin Durant in the second round. He was guarding LeBron James in the third round and, it, and ended up guarding Jimmy Butler, a guy who has been on a scorcher this entire playoffs in the finals. And Aaron Gordon has absolutely changed the narrative about himself. The narrative was never that he was a bad defender, but now the narrative is going to be Aaron Gordon is an all defensive level player. And he showed that the way he was able to adapt his game from Orlando to Denver is the exact kind of buy-in you want out of a guy who frankly has borderline all-star potential, but is able to, focus his talents in different areas and become an even better player. I mean, this is the same guy that we saw in the dunk contest that was lighting it up. And it's so different watching him now because now his calling card is on defense. His calling card is on playmaking for others, being in the right spot, making the hustle plays. And we saw him shine this series specifically. Aaron Gordon is an incredible player. Um, the way he was able to buy into this Nugget system is something of beauty. Michael Porter Jr., a guy that I really like, but has had some struggles, specifically in the finals. Um, he had some really rough games. This game five that he had, he had 16 points, 13 rebounds, some really big buckets, some important shots, um, and there were parts of this game where he kept them in. I think his ability to shift his game, to be more of a cutter, to be more of a rebounder, to impact the game in other ways when his shot isn't falling is the exact kind of buy-in you want. And you're going to get this word buy-in with all these guys because I think they have all bought in to what they're doing and that has collectively led to their championship. And then you get down to the other role players. You get down to Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green who had important stretches, who played important minutes. Christian Brown, he's a rookie. 
He was drafted like 23rd overall. He ended up playing 24 minutes in game five of the NBA Finals, the game that sent the Miami Heat home. His stats don't jump off jump off the board. I mean, he shot 50% from the free throw line. He had seven points, three rebounds. But what he was able to do as far as just coming in and being a spark plug, being a guy that gave his team energy, that made big plays, we didn't totally see it in game five, but we absolutely saw it in game four. We saw it in game three. We saw it earlier in this series. Christian Brown is a special dude, um, and I think he deserves a lot of praise for what he was able to do during this finals, especially when he was benched in the Western Conference finals in favor of other players. Bruce Brown had his moments as well. Um, in game four, he was incredible. He closed the heat essentially on his own, and I don't think that can be talked about enough. Contavious Caldwell-Pope did a really good job on the defensive end all this, this entire playoffs. Gave him just a very steady presence on defense, on offense, and also gave them championship experience. Championship experience can't be underrated. Um, what KCP did in 2020 as the guy with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, I mean, he was essentially their third or fourth option. He did a great job of helping that team. And I think he was able to bring a lot of that knowledge he had from that Lakers squad, from their run, and bring it to Denver. Give them that extra little boost that they needed to get past the finish line. Jeff Green, what what a year. I'm, I'm curious to see if Jeff Green keeps playing because he's still got a little bit left in the tank. I mean, we see it with the crazy dunk he has every other game. He had one tonight um, toward in the beginning of the first quarter. And I would love to see him stay. I mean, he only played five minutes tonight. He had four points, two or two from the field, um, played some good minutes, but wasn't able to play too much because ideally you want him playing next to Aaron Gordon and Aaron Gordon ran into some early foul trouble. But Jeff Green, it seems like he just gave them such a good, consistent locker room presence. He stayed ready the entire season. As a Utah Jazz fan, we were able to see that Utah wasn't the place for Jeff Green. But he has absolutely thrived in Denver um, and some of the other stops he's been in um, since Utah. Congratulations to him. Um, Like I said, I'm, I'm curious to see if he retires because what is this? It's his 18th year in the league, I think. And he's been an incredible player, played with some really good teams, played with some really good teammates, and he's finally gone past the hump. All of this to say, what an incredible year from the Denver Nuggets. Um, They deserve the flowers. They deserve a lot of praise. This is a special group, and their title window is just barely starting to open. I can't wait. We'll to see what we're going to get from them in the future. The Utah Jazz find themselves in an interesting position right now. Um, We are currently at a stage where the Jazz get to decide what their next steps are. They're kind of in the middle right now. And while the middle isn't a bad place to be when you have like 15 draft picks in the next eight years, it's also not a great place to be. The NBA is a copycat league. People are going to pay attention to what Miami did this offseason and this postseason, more importantly. They're also going to pay attention to what Denver did and what Denver has done the last couple of years. Denver has made moves 
that up front don't seem like the most important moves. Like when they traded Monte Morris for, for Contavious Caldwell Pope this offseason, I mean, people were excited about it. Um, I wouldn't say that people thought it was going to change the Nuggets' odds for this season. And the same thing with Bruce Brown. I mean, people liked Bruce Brown. I thought he played great for the Brooklyn Nets, played a really unique role, but I wasn't sure that role was necessarily going to translate to this Denver Nuggets team. The idea has always been surround Nikola Jokic with shooters, kind of the same thing with LeBron. And I didn't know if Bruce Brown was necessarily going to be the guy. I thought he would have fit better in a system like Golden State, um, where he would be more of a passer. But he has... Those two players coming in, along with Christian Brown in the draft, are incredible moves. And they're the kind of moves that change you, that swing you from being a title contender, from being a contender to a champion. And that's what the Denver Nuggets are this year. They're the NBA champions. Like I said, it's a copycat league. Everybody's going to be paying attention to what Denver did to see how can we apply that to our team? Newsflash, you're not going to be getting Nikola Jokic. You're not going to be getting this guy that is an incredible player. Um, one of the most unique players I've seen in my lifetime. The way he's able to dominate the game. The way he's able to always make the winning play. You're not going to be getting that. You're not getting that in the draft. Victor Wimbanyama might be the best player of all time. And he still won't be Nikola Jokic. Um Nikola Jokic is just such a unique player and has such a unique mindset about the game that makes what he does, who he is, impossible to replicate. Um, Nikola Jokic also is an incredible teammate. He said, and I saw this on ESPN, he said, Basketball is about your teammates. Whether you're taking an open shot, whether you're um, making the right pass, it's about your teammates. And Nikola Jokic is the epitome of playing for his teammates and making winning plays at all times. Even if some of the annoying, even if some of the plays are annoying, um, they kind of have like a little Chris Paul, Chris Paul vibe to them. He's still making winning plays, and I think that's very important. As we examine, deep dive into Nikola Jokic and the guy that he is, there will be stuff that comes out this summer. I'm sure there will be stories about his horses. There will be stories about what a unique journey he's had to get to the NBA. Um, it's just going to be impossible to replicate that. So from a team-building standpoint, you're not going to be able to find Nikola Jokic, and you're definitely not going to be able to find him with the 41st pick. However, there are lessons that the Utah Jazz, that other teams can learn from the Denver Nuggets. The first thing that strikes out to me, and this isn't exclusive to the Denver Nuggets. I think this was a theme throughout the playoffs this year. But there has to be something said about consistency. Especially consistency with your organization. I believe Mike Malone has been with the Denver Nuggets for around eight years. And he hasn't been a perfect coach. He's made a lot of mistakes on the way. Um, if you ask me to pinpoint those mistakes right now, I probably could not pinpoint them. But 
I think it's safe to say Mike Malone hasn't been a perfect coach. However, the way that they were able to continue to trust in him as a team and keep him around, I think is a very underrated part of the Denver Nuggets run to the title. Their consistency um, with their coaching staff, as well as making flexible changes, making the necessary changes, bringing in different assistants, is has been a very important key for their title run. Um, I really believe in locker room chemistry, and I believe talent is super important. But I believe what ultimately makes you better in a team sport is by having a better team. And talent doesn't make the team. What makes the team is everything that the talent is able to do um, and how the talent is able to act, how the talent is able to perform, how the talent is able to work together, most importantly. The Denver Nuggets are the epitome of that. They're the epitome of what you want in a team, a group of guys that have all bought in, um, that all have the same goal. We saw this with Aaron Gordon and some of his comments around the NBA Finals. He has been solely focused on winning the finals. He's not care. He doesn't care about the all-star appearances. He doesn't care about the MVPs. He doesn't. And this is pretty, pretty similar to everybody on this Denver Nuggets roster. They don't care about all that. Their group of guys, I think because they've been with each other for so long, I think because they've had some of the, some similar consistencies as far as their main core specifically in Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. And then making flexible and necessary changes on the outside has made this team a very special team. The Jazz could learn a lot from that. Um, From a Jazz perspective, you got to find consistency. The number one question I have in my head is, what if the Jazz just kept rolling with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert? And I've been battling with this the entire finals because there was a moment where these two teams were on the same tier. And obviously, Nikola Jokic is a better player than Donovan and Rudy Gobert. And Jamal Murray is probably on the same level as Donovan and Rudy Gobert at this point in his career. But there was a moment where Donovan and Rudy felt like they were on that same tier as Jokic and Murray. And all you had to do was put the right guys around them. I wonder what would have happened to the Jazz had they made a coaching change or some sort of other change and then brought back their same guys in Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and retooled around them. They had their core, but they could have possibly brought in other guys. I wonder what the Utah Jazz would look like right now or would look like next season. It's possible that while Rudy and Donovan were never best friends, they could have been able to focus on that singular goal, which I think they were very focused on during the 2021 season. I think that whole squad was very focused on that goal and hopefully move past their differences. I think that would be the goal um, for them. Unfortunately, that's in the past and we can't do anything about that. But looking at this next group, we have two cornerstones in my opinion. The first is Laurie Markin and the second is Walker Kessler. And while these two guys probably aren't going to be your number one option on a champ- on a championship caliber team, they're going to be important pieces. And I think that's so important 
that the Jazz build consistency with those two, that they get a lot of reps together, that they figure out how to win together, and they bring in the necessary guys around them. Hopefully they can bring in a third guy either this year or next year, a third guy that can be um, the guy that they aren't, that can be the alpha that can win games on his own. I think that's what the Utah Jazz need. And then they need to build consistency with that core. While it may seem insane to run the same thing over and over again, it might have seemed insane to have run that Utah team back again after their epic collapse to the Dallas Mavericks in the first round of the playoffs. And just their body language, their energy, that whole 2022 season. I think that's it. It, it, it. It's easy to make the argument that it's insane to bring that back together. But I do think there is value in consistency. There is value in being able to work through your problems as a team and to not let those problems define who you are as a team. And I don't think that's something that the Utah Jazz learned or gave the guys enough time to learn. You can make mistakes when building your team. Um, that's fine. The Utah Jazz are in a position right now that where they can make mistakes. The Denver Nuggets were in a position where they could make mistakes. They were in that position the second they drafted Nikola Jokic because of the player that Nikola Jokic ended up being. However, they still made some mistakes. I think let's let's be clear about that. They took Donovan Mitchell with 13th pick in 2017, and they ended up trading trading that for Trey Lyles. They took um, Rudy Gobert with the 27th pick in 2014, I believe, or 2015. And Rudy Gobert never played a minute for the Denver Nuggets. They ended up trading him as well. That's two All-Stars. Uh, combined like seven or eight All-Star appearances with three Defensive Player of the Years, with All-NBA appearances between both of them. Those are two guys that the Denver Nuggets missed out on. But because they were able to get Jokic, they were able to make some mistakes. They were able to move past some of those mistakes. Mistakes that the Utah Jazz hadn't been able to move past in the past. For example, when the Jazz took Udoka Azubuki over Desmond Bain or Jaden McDaniels, Jalen McDaniels on the Timberwolves. If you had one of those guys on the Jazz with Donovan and Rudy, you're probably talking about the Jazz in a very different light right now. So what you have to do if you're a team is you have to luck into that Nikola Jokic. You're, I mean, obviously you're not going to get the same guy but that should be a lesson to the Jazz as they draft um, as far as drafting for upside, trying to be able to see who is a guy that could take our current core to the next level, that could take him to the playoffs, that could take him to contention, or who is a guy that we could draft that would be able to get the guy that would be able to get a Luka Doncic, that would be able to get somebody you can bring into your team to be able to complete your core. I do think that will be important as the Jazz um, enter this next era. The second lesson I learned is the value of veteran presence. And this Denver team, I've touched on their de- I've touched on their veteran so I won't hammer into it too much, but they have a significant value in their veterans. And I think their veterans were a very big part of their playoff run um, as far as uniting them towards one goal. It's possible that the Utah jazz that we knew two years ago were too young 
especially with their like 12 to 15 guys. Um, they have like Elijah Hughes, Mieoni, Jared Butler. I wonder if you replace those spots and add in, added in some valuable veteran presence, what that Jazz team would have looked like because it's possible they don't get past uh, or they, they are able to get past some of the mental blocks that they ran into in the playoffs. We also saw the downside of trading Joe Ingles in 2022. And we saw what happens when you have the wrong veterans around. And I'm not going to name any any names, but I do think the Utah Jazz have had some wrong veterans around. The third lesson we we I think we learned is you got to capitalize in your window, in your championship window. You have to make the right moves. And Denver made all the right moves, bringing in KCP, bringing in Bruce Brown, bringing in Christian Brown. They made all the right moves this offseason. They also brought in guys that were able to play during the regular season that didn't get a lot of run during the playoffs that were able to help them win games in the regular season and get them to a spot where they would have home court advantage at every single stage in the playoffs. Being able to capitalize in your window is very important. The Jazz need to know what their window is. Is our window next year? No, our window is not next year. Even if we bring in Luka Doncic this offseason, our window isn't next year. It's going to take time to build that continuity that I've talked about, to build consistency, to build a good system, and for your players to understand how to win together. But once they start understanding those things, you have to capitalize on your window. Anyways, it's been an incredible season, an incredible postseason. Free agency is going to start soon. We have the NBA draft coming up next week. I'm currently working on a mock draft, so we will be jumping into that on next week's episode, examining some of my picks, examining some of the picks um, that happened in the draft, and just what could go on in NBA draft night. It's a very exciting time. Appreciate the Denver Nuggets for what they did this offseason. If you haven't watched enough of them, I would just recommend looking up some House of Highlights or something, getting your fix, understanding how good of a team they are, how they capitalized in big moments. Um, what an incredible run from a special team. This is the Swish Lake City podcast. We will be talking more Utah Jazz next time. Just wanted to give a shout out to our friends on the other side of the Rocky Mountains in the Denver Nuggets. Anyways, thank you for listening. Make sure to follow on Instagram, Twitter at Swish Lake City, as well as follow me at Jazz Lead on Twitter um, for more content, daily content on the Utah Jazz, on the draft, on NBA history, Utah Jazz history. It's going to be very exciting. There's a lot of good stuff over there. I appreciate listening and have a good one. We'll see you next time.